everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We've got a great show today. Uh, Rosh Hashanah's coming up for the uninitiated. That's the Jewish New Year. And, and Yom Kippur, a, all the Jewish holidays. Well, yes, but Rosh Hashanah's first. Yes. And we have a show all about the great foods and the great wines and everything that we enjoy on these holidays. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, get ready because you're going to – it's a lot of carbs is what it is. It's a lot of carbs. Uh, Paul a lot Entis of carbs is, and a lot of sugar. Paul Entis is back with us. Paul is with the Jewish Food Experience. Uh, that's a uh, nonprofit that makes Jewish life and Jewish food accessible and welcoming with great articles, great recipes and events, and also great food. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And – has anybody heard about babka, French toast? If you haven't... I heard it was a myth, like a unicorn. <laughs> no. no. There is no religion necessary to order that. And Elise um, Fishman is back in studio. Wait, Elise did Lerner. Did I forget her last name? Elise Fishman Lerner, right? Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, the very popular on Rye is back in studio. She was in here originally when they first opened, but now she's back in with um, some fabulous treats that you can have on your table for the holiday or any day of the week. All right, and next up after that, after converting to Judaism in her early 20s, Marsha Friedman looked to feel more connected to Jewish culture and tradition, and she started digging into Jewish food and Jewish recipes, and she expanded that to exploring her pre... I love this, previously underappreciated Sicilian roots. Who could underappreciate that? I know, you're speaking a foreign that language to my husband. So she wrote a book called Meatballs and Matzo Balls, which really talks about her journey to explore the unification, if you will, of Jewish food and Italian food, mm -hmm. and we're going to hear from Marcia shortly. Now, Alex Levin has been in several times, but he is back, and he's at a new place. So Alex Levin has joined uh, Michael Schlau's restaurant group, where uh, he's, like, leading and managing. On, let's say he's the pastry chef to the stars. He's okay, the man. well, he's the pastry chef for the entire program of Michael Schlau, which includes D.C., Boston, uh, New England, and Los Angeles. Right. I mean, he's a little bit of everywhere. But more importantly, today, uh, in his uh, past incarnations, he always had a Rosh Hashanah pop up with uh, delicious foods. And he's continuing that. And he brought in more today. And you can get some of it as well. Uh, and this is this is a, a, an unsolicited testimonial. If you haven't tasted Alex's pastries, okay. you're missing. All right. So did you know that wine can be kosher? It can. What does that even mean? So Diane Gross of Cork is at Cork Wine Bar and the other Cork Market, all the corky things that she does with her husband and my dear friend Khaled. Um, uh, she's going to educate us on kosher wines, and she's going to uh, fill us in. There's a kind of a redo coming of Cork Market. So actually, let's go to Mitch first. Yes, we'll start with Mitch, Mitch Berliner of Central Farm Markets is with us. We figured we couldn't do a Rosh Hashanah show without you, Mitch. Well, thank you very much. So first and foremost, I want to wish you and all your Jewish listeners a happy and a healthy New Year. Be inscribed for a good year. Lashana Tovah to all of you. Same to you. I also want to thank... Uh, You're Jewish. <laughs> you don't look it. <laughs> but I, you I sound love, it. You yeah. sound it. I, I don't want to contradict you. I'm always being trouble on the show. But um, in my neighborhood, where I grew up, right outside of New York City, 
there was really no contradiction of marriage being, uh, marrying uh, Italian and Jewish cooking because mm-hmm. we were living side by side. So uh, the funniest story. So when we get Marshawn, we're going to talk about that. Let's talk about your markets. What's happening today okay, on a so actually, sort of a grim uh, day? Apropos, it's it's another beautiful day in the neighborhood mm-hmm. here. We're crowded. It's the last day of Peaches, so you better get out. I do want to uh, tell you that we do indeed have, at the Bethesda market, three kosher, strictly kosher vendors. We're the only people in the United States out of nearly 9,000 markets that have it. We have uh, somebody that has prepared, value-added kosher products. We have a strictly kosher um, falafel uh, stand mm-hmm. with all vegetables from the market, and in addition... We have a kosher meat, galat kosher meat. So if somebody wants local, natural, and kosher, we got you covered. And you're saying no other markets That's around have farmers market. Farmers farmers market. market. You can Google it. No, no kidding. Three kosher vendors. Hmm. Kosher vendors. We have three. Wow, that and makes you don't unique. Even have one. So we're making it easy. We want to be inclusive. Cool. So That's what's happening. All right. Let's make sure everybody knows where your markets are, Mitch. Absolutely. Uh, we have three markets Saturday at Pike and Rose, a great mixed-use development in Rockville. We have the Bethesda Central, where I'm speaking to you from. That's in the on the parking lot of Bethesda Elementary School. That's every Sunday. And also on Sunday, my bride, Deborah Moser, runs the Mosaic Central Farm Market in the heart of Bethesda. Please visit Central Farm Markets. Dot com and learn all about us in our times and places. All right, Great. you are Thank the you, man. Mitch. Thanks so much. Talk to you Thank next you. week. You Diane. All right, buddy. Hello, Diane Gross. Hi. How are you? Good, good. Thank what you. a week you've had. It Sounds has like it's been, been a, a crazy insane. week. It's been a little insane, yes. So uh, let's find out what's going on at Cork Market. So um, Cork Wine Bar and Cork Market are moving in together. Okay. Um, Later this Before fall. Before they get married? Well, they're married. They're well, married. they've been together for a long time. That's a Shonda. Um, we've been on 14th Street for about 10 years mm-hmm. and uh, made the decision to combine the two entities mm-hmm. and move to the market space, which is at 1805 14th Street. Mm-hmm. Um, we own which the building. Is, there's so much in that space, yeah. too. It's a big space. It's about 5,000 square feet, so mm-hmm. it's a big space. There's a lot we can do with it. And we're able to keep the market, do some casual seating, which our neighbors have been asking for, I think, since we opened. Mm-hmm. Um, have a big, large patio in the back. And which also, would be new, Which right? would be new for about 30 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also add, um, just bring over the restaurant almost in its entirety and put it on the second floor. Because right now you've been using that second floor for, like, event space, right? Because right. it's a beautiful space. I've right. been there for events. It's a great events. space. It's lofty, and it's mm-hmm. got skylights. And it's going to be really a beautiful space once we bring all the different parts of the restaurant over. And um, so it's going to look a little new, but have a lot of the the old same feel to it. Mm -hmm. We'll also have a private dining room up there that we can use both for regular service if it's a crazy busy night, Mm -hmm. uh, which means less wait for our guests. And um, also use it, obviously, for private events, tastings, wine classes, things that we do now. So we're really able to combine all the best of what we do together Mm -hmm. under one roof. That sounds fabulous. Let's switch the subject. So... Cork Wine Bar, wine. There's such a thing as kosher wine. What is How it? How is that possible? Well, kosher wine's a little tricky. There's a lot of moving parts, but essentially kosher wine is the same as kosher food. There's a bunch of rules that have to be met in order for a wine to We're be kosher. It's so particular. It's very, <laughs> it can be, yes. Um, but it's sort of intuitive if you think about kosher food, um, you know, made under the supervision of a rabbi, using only kosher ingredients, 
um, using only kosher equipment mm-hmm. that's been certified as such. And from beginning to end, it actually has to be made by Sabbath-observing Jews. Okay. So that's sort of the main way that kosher wine gets made. It's made all over the world. We mm-hmm. hear a lot about it in Israel, but today I have wines from Israel and also wines from Spain. Well, on that, why don't we talk about what you're pouring first, and then when we come back to you later in the show, we can get into more about where it's made, how it's made, etc. Right, all the little details. So the yes. first wine I'm pouring is from a winery called Tabor, and it's in Israel. Mm-hmm. It's a Sauvignon Blanc, and this is in Galilee. It's very fertile. If you've been to Israel, you know it's a very fertile area. Uh, a lot of the wineries, the smaller wineries, are there. And a lot of the cool stuff, the boutique stuff that's happening, is coming out of Israel right now. And this is a really classically made Sauvignon Blanc. Think Sancerre. Think wines that have a lot of great acidity to them. All right, we'll pass right. that around and so uh, we'll get started. Let's turn okay. to Paul Entis from the Jewish mm-hmm. Food Experience. I think we should start from the start because I don't think a lot of people generally know really what kosher is and how you get to kosher. I'm sitting here eating lobster and drinking a glass of milk. So I'm. Okay, that's uh, terrible. Is that terrible? <laughs> I mean, what is kosher? As Diane said, kosher literally means fit. And basically, we're looking at. Foods that fall under certain categories and are mixed or not mixed in certain ways. Mm-hmm. There needs to be rabbinic supervision and there needs to follow biblical laws uh, that can yeah. be found. Okay, go ahead. Why the L'chaim, laws? Okay. L'chaim. L'chaim, everybody. Get your glass of wine. Okay. So the laws are part of the Bible, and mm-hmm. they are basically uh, laws that make sure that there are distinctions between meat and milk and what is usable and not. Um, in restaurants, there needs to be uh, a rabbi that oversees the production of the food, and uh, in individual uh, vendors, there's also rabbinic supervision. So you're looking at the ingredients, you're looking at how it's prepared, um, and you're making sure that uh, there's been a strict adherence to, to Jewish ritual and law. Do you feel, though, that, I mean, is it still as important today as it was when the laws were originally put together? I think it depends upon the Jew that you talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some that are very observant and feel very strongly about keeping to the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, there are others who make their own personal decisions. They'll keep kosher in the home, but, but not out. Uh, but not out. Right. Um, there's others who are looking at sort of an echo kashrut, which is a more modern interpretation where they feel what's important is what is fit means how the uh, animals were treated, Uh, how the laborers were treated. And so there's a holistic vision around a social ethic about food. It takes a lot of work, too, to to know that. Oh, absolutely. You have to do research. You have to be uh, focused. You have to be thoughtful and intentional about every, uh, every morsel that you choose to take in. Well, I mean, I think we do we do talk a lot about that here on the show, given, you know, what's going on in the food community, not just locally in D.C., but also nationally and internationally about greater care of our animals and knowing where your food comes from and working with farmers. Absolutely. No, I mean, I think that there are decisions we make about choosing local foods, choosing Mm -hmm. organic foods, going to farmers markets. Um, All those are part of a modern ethic that uh, is important and and something that springs from values, whether they be religious or or personal, um, and uh, really makes us better consumers. So, well, for the Jewish food experience, did you create this? because really nobody knows much about it? 
Well, the Jewish Food Experience is a program of the Jewish Federation of Greater Washington. The goal is to connect people in the community through food, and we wanted to both attract and involve folks that are already involved in uh, keeping kosher, mm -hmm. and that's a part of who they are, and also people who are more on the margins of the Jewish community, not necessarily active, not necessarily synagogue-going, but have a strong recollection to food as a, a memory with what they ate at the table during holidays with grandparents. Um, so we're really looking at the whole spectrum of people, uh, folks that uh, really care about kashrut and folks that in a modern way um, are interested in learning about that, but that's not their primary way of connecting with Judaism. Well, but let's talk about, I mean, I Jewish culture is so centered around food. I mean, obviously, look at all the people in the studio today. Um, and I think a lot of people who celebrate the holidays, regardless of whether you're Orthodox, Reform, wherever you are in the spectrum, you know, there are foods that speak specifically to the holidays for you, whether it's your grandmother's brisket or your great-grandmother's um, gefilte fish or knishes or whatever. I mean, there's some things that show up on some tables that don't show up on others. Um, how do you incorporate that into the site? Because you have fabulous articles and uh, really wonderful recipes. How do you do that? Well, one thing that we're particularly interested in is making sure people know that Jews are around the globe and Jewish traditions come from around the globe. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the foods that you're thinking of uh, automatically may be from Eastern European Jewish traditions, mm -hmm. uh, from Russia and Poland, um, but there are Jews from Iraq. There seems to be a lot of us, that's all. There the are, there are. The Ashkenazi are, like, are all loud. around. Yes. Uh, loud, and we love dairy, and uh, we do great stuff. Um, but the Sephardic Jewish community uh, and the Jews of uh, the Middle East have very interesting food traditions. Mm -hmm. um, and if you went to their uh, Rosh Hashanah dinner table, the food look, would look very different. Mm -hmm. um, so our interest is really making sure that we feature all those foods, um, that we try some fusion foods where we're marrying uh, an Ashkenazi recipe with a, a Sephardic background um, and really making it a delight for the palate. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, you brought in some honeys. We're going to dig into that. We'll all go into diabetic shock by the end of the show. We want to talk about how difficult it is to go fishing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is David and Nikki Nellis. I'll try not to hang myself before we come back before the commercial break. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And Paul Entis from the Jewish Food Experience just gave me apples with honey with Chili. Hot chili, chili infused. infused. Oh my God! Everybody needs to come and taste and this. My throat it's has closed. Delicious. I feel like I just had throat surgery for <laughs> God's sake. So. Uh, we, we have a couple of minutes, but you have some events coming up, though. Let's talk about that. We do, we do. The, the Jewish Food Experience uh, today, in fact, is off to Waters Orchard uh, in Germantown, where there are 45 families picking apples mm -hmm. um, and getting ready for the Jewish New Year. Uh, October 15th, we have a program with Nourish Now, a nonprofit in Rockville that does food recovery. So we're going to help out for three hours uh, with the products they have and making sure they're available for clients. Um, they take food from surplus restaurants and uh, caterers, uh, supermarkets, and then repackage it and repurpose it. Rents, it's right close to the expiration point, but still really good. That's amazing. Um, so I'm thrilled that those events exist, and you can find them all on the website. But let's talk about, so you have your top 10 recipes. You guys do, there's a huge catalog of recipes you work with. Uh, I think people in here in studio, right? Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. Alex, I mean, do we have recipes Elise from- Elise has contributed, Right, yeah. okay, so- um, Alex. We have the whole mishpoka here in studio. We do. The um, family's so here. So let's talk about the recipes and, like, these honeys. Like, so Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Before each holiday, we compile 10 top recipes related to the, whether it's Rosh Hashanah, 
uh, Hanukkah or Passover. So this year we've got 10 interesting ones. In fact, Marsha Friedman uh, made three of them, which we're mm -hmm. going to try. We're also interested in figuring out ways that families can be together and do fun things. So this idea of infusing honey uh, with different spices and herbs is something that's really easy to do. It just involves taking a cinnamon stick or cardamom, vanilla bean, mm -hmm. really anything you have around, putting it into oh, a... Is that one with cardamom? This is cardamom. I thought it was yeah. like pumpkin seeds. I was oh. like, what do you do there? Okay. <laughs> um, and then you uh, put it in a tight jar, keep it there for four or five days, uh, mm -hmm. keep it in the sun, and at the end, you have this really subtle, nice infused flavor, and the kids can be involved in putting it all together and, and making it happen. You know what would be great it. for Such our kids? Idea. We'll get some honey, we'll put their cell phones in it for four days, <laughs> and that will get them to pay attention. That'll be great. I wish I had the clicker, because it sounds like oh, you're You're going to click me? And I'm not whining, right. I'm just <laughs> stating a fact. Um, uh, on the web, where do we find all these recipes? So jewishfoodexperience.com is the place to go. Right mm -hmm. now we have a special link, jewishfoodexperience.com backslash apple cakes. There are eight apple cakes uh, mm -hmm. with all full recipes, vegan, gluten-free, a whole variety. Um, so if you're looking to put your Hanukkah menu together with a modern twist. Rosh Hashanah. Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, right, right. December. We'll move Hanukkah down the road, right. but Rosh Hashanah right now. Right, we got time. <laughs> and then we got the break, the, break right. the fast, ready to go. Right. Uh, go to jewishfoodexperience.com. Great. Right, Thank Paul, you thanks. so much. Thanks. All right, so, Diane, we want to go back to you. Yeah. I want to say, this this wine, everybody's going like, it's pretty good for kosher. This is delicious. Yeah, it's great, so right? Why does kosher wine have such a bad rep? Well, because our exposure to kosher wine started with Manischewitz, which was... I like Manischewitz. Um, it's great for some things, but drinking it's a lot of that is... A uh, it'll give you a headache. It'll probably make your stomach hurt. It has uh, corn syrup in it and sugar additives, and that's I'm not... I'm sure you have a point. What is it? Not a good thing for wine. Um, it wasn't actually until... Is the, it wine? The 80s. Well, there's some differentiation of opinion uh -huh. on that, but it wasn't until the 80s that we actually got wine into the U.S. that wasn't... Manischewitz that was maybe larger production kosher wine but still wines that didn't have additives to them and since that time it's really taken off and really there are a lot of wineries throughout the world a lot mostly focused in Israel that mm -hmm. are doing they're just make, do, doing good winemaking and that's what their effort is and and all the stuff that has to happen to have it be kosher happens but they're really focusing on where the grapes are grown, the process of growing the grapes, and then making the wine. And so that's what we found here. their priorities are good wine. Right. It's just ha so happens right. they're kosher. Right. And we get not a lot of them in the U.S. I mean, right. they're getting we're getting more and more and more coming in. Um, a lot of them go to New York, and it's even hard for us to get them in D.C., unfortunately. And mm -hmm. um, at Cork, we pick out usually three to five um, during each holiday season that mm -hmm. we like and we think sort of stand up to the Cork quality, mm -hmm. and we offer them at the store for people to buy for their holiday meals. Okay, terrific. All right, so what are we pouring next? So now we're going to Spain, and we're pouring um, a wine by Capcanes. It's called Perage Petita. Okay. Um, it is um, Grenache, Tempranillo, and Merlot and Syrah, a little bit of Merlot and Syrah from <laughs> Monsant. Um, this is pretty classic Spain, and it is, they're all co-fermented, which means they all grow together, and they pick the grapes, and they ferment them together um, in stainless steel, and then they age them in American and French oak, just like mm -hmm. I would talk about with other wines that you've seen me pour here. Okay. Um, the soil is clay, granite, and slate, so that adds a lot of minerality. minerality. And the wine is really balanced, I think, and um, a nice sort of medium-bodied 
um, wrap it around a representation. Brisket? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So. Uh, the first time we met Elise Fishman Lerner, she had just opened on Rye, which mm-hmm. is a classic. It's a modern sandwich shop, but it's really modeled on the great deli sandwiches. And, exactly. I mean, do you consider yourself a de- do you consider on Rye a deli? You know, we didn't use the word deli in the name intentionally because uh, deli means so many different things to so many, so many different, different people. people. You have a, you know you have Italian delis, you have you know the bodegas in New York. Um, but yes, the idea is. You can is actually move that microphone in front of you. Oh, if you thank want, you. If you'd like. there you <laughs> uh, the idea is that we do a lot of the uh, modern twists and Jewish deli classics. So right, sandwiches, got... we've expanded into you know all kinds of bagels and lox and whitefish and the whole the whole night. Here's my problem with on right. All right, Tell as me. a consumer, there isn't one close to us. <laughs> well, we deliver. I mean, you've got uh, we cater. large large pods of you know you know Jewish communities all over the DC yes. area, but yes. Bethesda, Rockville, Chevy Chase, Kensington. Yes. where are you? We Why are. You're we are in Chinatown. In Chinatown. Uh, we're right. So if you're ever uh, coming to the Capitol Arena. She wants people to actually now, come. Now That's I'm all for <laughs> Well, we'll see what we can do about getting you another on Rye uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> down the road. But in the thing. meantime, uh, we do. We deliver. We're uh, we're in Chinatown right next to the Capitol One Arena on 6th and H. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very close to, you know, everything Thank right you. in the heart of the city. Um, this is so, so let's good. talk about. So Thank you, you opened how long now? We are not even a year old, okay. actually. Our wow. one year will be in November. Okay, so... What's changed? How have you evolved in the last year? Yeah, we've learned. Uh, people, you know, people have been really great about telling us exactly what they want. So well, we, you know, <laughs> the, well, it, but I but mean, it's you know, it's what do you do with that? It's uh, we've updated our menu in a lot of different ways. We've mm-hmm. grown it. We've tweaked it. Um, you'll be seeing uh, lockers come back on the menu uh, this fall. We've been upping our our, our locker game, mm-hmm. uh, getting them just right. Upping your um, locker game. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. That, um, not I think, I know, as we were saying with Paul earlier, it's really hard with some of these foods to create whatever it is in a person's mind of mm-hmm. what a kugel is supposed to taste like, what yeah. a brisket is supposed to taste like. You know, the, there is some of these dishes. You know, one year um, I didn't use like that jarred gefilte fish, mm-hmm. and I think Whole Foods was making their own, and I spend all this money and put it on the table and nobody would touch it isn't it funny it's I an mean, acquired taste you right. get used to your traditions and exactly. that's been one of those things you know we we started we used a lot of uh family recipes and we've been honestly tweaking them to you know what do most people and we love feedback you know we have mm-hmm. everywhere in the store please give us your comments you know we're, we're constantly trying to get better um and you know just because i grew up eating it one way doesn't mean that you know most other people had it another way and right we do everything we can uh you know within reason to customize well, to for what people who people aren't want. jewish some of it's listen i mean i think gefilte fish is is considered jewish food yeah. but potato pancakes mm-hmm. are really universal they're really eastern european i for mean sure. there's a german uh classic recipe that is essentially you know like roasty or you know and mm-hmm. people have it with sour cream and applesauce. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know there's so many. Me love sour cream. So. <laughs> we we got, we got you covered. You gotta you gotta come for. Okay, no, can we talk about what I'm Bethesda. eating? Because yeah, it's absolutely. So crazy, it delicious. So you have our is. cinnamon babka French toast right there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we have to do a Seinfeld bit right, right. here, like chocolate babka. <laughs> So that is our cinnamon babka French toast. Uh, perfect. We sell it uh, in the store. Uh, we have it for breakfast or dessert every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have it by the tray for catering for the high holidays. Uh, a lot of people are excited about putting them you know, on the table for break the fast. It's Absolutely. also a great way to do dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you have today is a Rosh Hashanah-ified version where we've taken apples 
and we've uh, caramelized them with the honey and a tiny because little bit of butter. there's not enough sugar in this, <laughs> right? But you need that apples and it's honey. Not rich enough. That apples and honey uh, mm-hmm. uh, hook for uh, for Rosh Hashanah. So, so um, is this a corned beef quiche? What is this? Yes. Yeah, so oh, you have right there. Eating, right. That is I'm just our eating it. That is our Reuben Do quiche. I care? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yes. Yeah, so we we have two different kinds of quiche that we've added to the menu: uh, okay. a Reuben quiche and a vegetarian quiche. Mm-hmm. That is our corned beef. It's corned beef, Swiss you? cheese. Uh, totally delicious. Right. Um, again, perfect for breakfast. Perfect for you know. Where'd you come up with that idea? That honestly was so. When you cut corned beef, it, right. it sometimes you know you get a little bit of scraps it coming shrimps. off of it. And it, what you know, what's a really good way to re, to, to use those? They're perfectly delicious. Sometimes right. it's the very best parts. Um, and we we found that putting it into a quiche makes it really you know, perfect. Yeah, and a lot of people come to the store and they want something that's not. Super filling, but is, you know, is that kind of in between, that good mm-hmm. snack hour, you know, especially where we are in the neighborhood. A lot of, you know, there's there's not a ton of places that have that afternoon snack time. Right. Um, this is a perfect sort of, you know, it'll fill you up, but it's not, it's not. A May I just meal. say to everybody in the studio, eat, eat, <laughs> eat. You're all staring at it like it's um, a museum piece. Um. Okay. So let's talk about your catering menu as yeah. you were putting it together. I mean, we have these two items here, yes. obviously, on it. What else is on it, and what's on it for the holidays? We have bagel boxes. So we're okay. doing um, – they're, they're packaged beautifully. Uh, we have sandwich boxes. So mm-hmm. the, let me start with – You're not making your own bagels, are you? We are not currently, no. Um, but we have whitefish salad. We make our own tuna salad, egg salad, um, scallion mm-hmm. schmear, regular mm-hmm. schmear. Um, we have sandwich boxes available, Oof. a lot of our greatest hits um, – yeah, your your classic turkey. We have our uh, pastrami bacon, uh, which is no there's no pork in our restaurant, but we take pastrami, we make it crispy like bacon, um, and we make a PLT oh out of that. God. It's what a great idea! Spectacular with uh, pickled green tomatoes mm-hmm. um, and arugula. Um, it, it's on toasted challah. It's it's great with Russian dressing. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have you know all the classics: chicken salad sandwich, tuna salad sandwich. Right. All right. So all let me ask you a question because when we met you, you'd never done anything like this before. Correct. You were re-careering. Correct. And this was an idea. Yes. What do you think of being a retailer now? Uh, it's it's I've learned a ton. It's mm-hmm. been really great, really fulfilling, definitely not boring. <laughs> um, we've we've had a really great time. So will with there it. be more on rise or is this it? Stay tuned. We'll see. Mm. That's our goal. <laughs> we we Bethesda sure spelled B E T. So um, please tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. Um, and where they can order for catering because it's not just for the Jewish holidays. You can do it all anytime, the time. Right? Absolutely. So we okay. are we are located in Chinatown okay. at 746th Street Northwest. On 6th and H, mm-hmm. uh, right by the Capital One Arena. And we are, uh, you can email us at catering at onride.com. Give us a call at 202 794 And we're, we're happy to, to get whatever you need for us. Well, thank you so good. much. Thank right. you. We're going to take a it. quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis from Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis with the Jewish holidays coming up. We're having a, what would we call it? A very Jewy show, I would say. <laughs> Um, uh, Marsha Friedman's with us. Marsha, uh, I guess you converted to Judaism, yes. and when you did that, you went in whole hog, right? Is that a good way of putting mm. it? That's actually not the right expression. Whole hog would not right, be the right. right expression. That's right, whole steer. Did you do that intentionally? No, I just did okay. it. I did it because that's the thing. But okay. I mean, you really, you really took a dive right into Jewish culture and Jewish cooking and Jewish food. Um, why don't you give us kind of the backstory there? Well, when I converted to Judaism, I really wanted, um, I kind of learned the rules and um, the observance. trying to do that. Yes. Way. Yeah. It's, a, it's an ongoing process. <laughs> but what I really felt was lacking was a connection to the culture that I didn't grow up with. Sure. 
And so as someone who always loved food and cooking, I turned to Jewish food as a way to feel a little more connected to Jewish culture. I really Mm -hmm. wanted something tangible that I could play with and learn about. And so I dove into that. Um, well, I assume you converted because you were getting married. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. So was Nobody the... does it for fun. <laughs> Some people do. Don't Some say people that. do. <laughs> Some people do. Not for fun, but they do it because they find yeah, a connection to the religion. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, my brother-in-law converted and my good friend, Christy Feminella, who's now Rock Hall Covell, uh, she also converted. She really took it to the she extreme. She really converted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but coming into another culture, especially when you grow up with whatever, whether it's Christmas or uh, other holidays... Like making this your own has to be tough because you are starting your life anew as far as your own cultures and your own traditions with this. So how did you how did you do that? Because I think that's tough. Well, it it actually it was a, it was a great learning experience, and one of the ways that uh, that made it easier for me is as I was exploring Jewish food, I realized that. I like to say my Italian culture was kind of tugging on my apron strings Mm -hmm. because uh, it's kind of sad to say, but growing up, we really had very little appreciation for my dad's Sicilian culture, other than really thinking that spaghetti with his spicy sauce and meatballs was nature's perfect food. Right. So um, why have you changed your mind? Oh, it is. It it still is. So I realized that I wanted to explore um, my inherited heritage as well as my adopted one together and doing that together made it easier. Mm -hmm. It made it feel more like um, putting together two parts um, into a whole. Mm -hmm. And I found that very fulfilling um, to explore both, which I really need to learn a lot more about and to find connections there, which we were talking about a little bit earlier about the holidays and and food and Jewish food experience. Mm -hmm. We're looking for connections. And I found that food was even um, richer than I thought. It's really more than something to eat, but it really Exploring it connected me to history and the travels of the Jews um, through Italy and all over the world and the foods that they adopted. And also um, let me delve yes, into... there are Jews in Italy. That is a... <laughs> there are. Yes. No, We're no, not them, but there oh, are. Oh, no, it's been, it's been a fascinating dive mm-hmm. into that as well. So it's it's been very fulfilling, um, and I think that's made it a lot easier to... Well, you know, when you think about it, I mean, cultures, you know, and, and religions and all that, food is so central to... So, so many, many cultures, right? So many, you know, and and it, well, you it, couldn't hear Mitch Berliner uh, off air, but he was saying that he grew up in New York, and in New York, where he grew up, that like Italians and Jews, I mean, belong together. So it wasn't like it wasn't a Chandra if a Jew and Italian got together because the cultures were so similar. Family is so important. Food is so important. Gathering Guilt. around the table. <laughs> Guilt, Guilt is Guilt. huge. Guilt is huge. Um, no, but gathering around the table at the end of the day, I think it's important to lots of cultures. It really, it's it's not really about it's religion. Cement. It's more about lifestyle and what you're brought up with as far as family. So where, how did the food play for you? Like you brought in all these beautiful dishes today. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I want to first mention that all three of these recipes that I brought in are on the Jewish Food Experience mm-hmm. Top 10 list, which is on the jewishfoodexperience.com. These are from your book? Paul's web is, yes. is a large web. Yes, Paul okay, is very connected. Are these from your book? None of these are from my book. Okay. Um, the, the which is meatballs, meatballs, meatballs and, and matzo balls. Meatballs and balls, yes. Which I love. Wait, before we get into what you brought in, I need to know, what is a... Is it a matzo meatball or a meatball? What is it? Oh, thank you. That's my signature recipe. Yes. And it's a meatball matzo ball. So it's a uh, meatball stuffed inside of a matzo ball. Um, and 
that they're actually really good. It sounds crazy. <laughs> no, how could it not? Matzo balls are so good. It's you can put anything inside. It's, it's like putting something in a dumpling. It's a sandwich. No, yeah. it's not a sandwich. Well, no, not well, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's, not, it's actually nothing like a sandwich. Matzo and meat inside. <laughs> no. It's, it's really still a dumpling. But what I really, when mm. I created that recipe, I really wanted something that kind of represented my experience. And mm -hmm. I felt like having those um, one enclosed the other really helped capture that right. in kind of a food form. Plus, it was a very fun, playful way to bring the cultures together. Without a doubt. Okay, so let's talk about this. Because when you first brought in this plate, I thought it was gefilte fish. But yes. it isn't. But this is delicious. Thank you. This is um, polpitone di tono. Mm -hmm. And this is a recipe that actually arose from a problem that I needed to solve. Mm -hmm. Because not growing up Jewish, um, I didn't grow you were like I don't like to filter fish. Exactly, got you it. got it. So, <laughs> and I tried really hard. I tried some artisanal versions, and it just wasn't working. And I also noticed that it wasn't the only one. Right. Um, so I wanted to try to they find something. They should have something. just force fed you too. You got <laughs> yes, used to it. That's how it works. At some point, That's it would how it have just for the rest of us. clicked. Forget the tuna. So I I started. I wanted to have something that I felt comfortable making, and that other people could make if they wanted to, mm -hmm. and that my guests would actually enjoy and that I would enjoy. And mm -hmm. so, like so many things, I turned to Italian recipes in hopes that I could find something um, that had a little more nuance and flavor, a little more complexity. Mm -hmm. And so are the, these are really an Italian tuna loaf. Um, and I played with this recipe a little bit um, to make it my own. So it has a little bit of artichoke hearts, um, also mashed potatoes. It's naturally gluten-free. So okay. it, it works now for Rosh Hashanah, and it also works for... Um, Passover, mm -hmm. and um, and I love the green sauce. And what I did, this is a, an Italian salsa verde, and mm -hmm. there are lots of variations of this sauce. But since I was making this gefilte fish alternative, I decided to put horseradish in the green sauce, kind of as a nod to that horseradish that we have. It's really cute. Yes. So it's that, really delicious. Yeah, Thank you. Great. It is. It's really, really delicious. And it's such a smart idea because I do think gefilte fish, for those who don't know, is a, a white fish it's melange. ground, Like ground and... Kind of Canal like and, a snowball. It's just right, put together. And it's got yes. a bunch of jelly or it's not fun to make. What's the jelly? Yes, the I'm jelly is just what it's packed in. I love that it's stuff. Like, uh, I don't know Breakfast what it is. A champion. Okay. Anyway, well, anyway, but this is way more approachable for Thanks. people who for the uninitiated. And that was my goal. And it's also it's actually very easy to do at home. It, mm -hmm. it takes a few steps, but it's something very approachable at home, and it can be made ahead. Okay, and let's talk about the other two things that you brought in. The other two are recipes I selected off the top 10 list because I mm -hmm. wanted to kind of show the diversity of recipes and flavors on testing. Jewish food experience. Mm, it smells so good. Um, so the one that you're trying, David, is um, uh, oh. Dutch apple and honey crostata. <laughs> and I was particularly attracted to that because I do have a crostata recipe in meatballs and matzo balls. And a crostata is an Italian um, kind of open-faced tart. Mm -hmm. um, there are French um, galettes mm. very similar oh, to those as well. This one is by Lauren Katz, who um, has won numerous baking competitions. She's a wonderful baker. And um, I love this particular one. It has more of a, a real apple uh, pie. Apple pie. Play, yeah. But I love doing yeah, it. But that crust on the bottom is super crisp. Yeah. yeah I um, the, the, Actually, in Lauren's recipe, she calls for any crust that you want to use. So I went ahead and used my crust from my cookbook. Okay. So this is my crustata crust, but anyone would be fine. This one's particularly buttery, so this would be if you can have dairy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also love the crostata because it's a chance to kind of, you don't have to be so precise with it. And I particularly love this streusel topping that Lauren has included because when you you press it all over the top, no one can actually even tell if it's not straight. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So, that, <laughs> so it's easy. It's easy. It's it's really, it's a fun recipe to do. All right, do. Well, let's talk about your cake. This is a tahini and honey cake, and this one is by Varad. Okay, so can we talk about tahini in a cake? Because I don't think most people think about tahini going in a cake. Sure. It's um, It actually adds a really, I don't know if you've tasted it yet, but it adds a nice richness to the cake. It's When I first tasted this recipe, I actually almost thought it gave almost a hint of peanut butter flavor to it. So it gives it a nice, well, it gives a nutty, tremendous amount of moisture and moisture and richness. Mm-hmm. This cake, um, I made, I tested it earlier in the week, um, and uh, a different version of this one, okay. and it's still nice and moist. Um, and Veretta's also included cardamom, which I think you can taste is, the cardamom. Yeah, so and she smell it. she grew up in Israel, so that's kind of a um, these two flavors are a nice way to incorporate kind of a Middle Eastern accent to mm-hmm. this very traditional cake for Rosh Hashanah. And then of course she threw on chocolate chips, and I threw on a few extra because yeah, I love that. I mean, Okay, so Marsha, tell us where we can find your work and what you're doing because and the you book. do and the book and everything, please. The book is uh, meatballsandmasaballs.com. Um, I'm sorry, that's the website, meatballsandmasaballs.com. <laughs> right. okay. And you can buy the book on Amazon. It's in print and um, Kindle. And you can also find some of my recipes on Jewish Food Experience. I have a number of recipes actually um, uh, on the site. Mm-hmm. And I also have recipes on meatballsandmasaballs.com that are free. Excellent. Well, oh, thank you. Thank oh, you. Perfect. Thank you for bringing this all in today. I'm just going to ask you to switch with Alex so we can get him close to his um, gorgeous challah, which I feel like should be dipped in the spicy honey because I think that sounds amazing. Speaking of Jewish food and pastries. (laughs) Yes. uh, Hi, Alex. When did we first meet you? I guess when you went to Marini? Yes. I think the first time I was on the show was right after Marini opened. Mm -hmm. came on just to introduce myself and to meet you guys and join the D.C. community. Mm -hmm. And you did that? And in I've space. done that, and I, I started working for Michael Schlau in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a huge adventure because there are so many different restaurants here in D.C. How many Schlau restaurants are there? Like six or seven, aren't no, they here? No, that's just in D.C. How so many total? There's basically uh, there's five here in D.C. and in, in the Virginia area, <laughs> three in the Boston area, one in Connecticut, and also one in Los Angeles. Okay. And I do a lot of traveling. I'm on the road a lot. If you follow me on my social media, you see me checking in here and there. Mm -hmm. And my my job is to essentially design the dessert menus everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I love it because it allows me to have a huge impact, not just in one place, but in so many different kinds of restaurants. And also the cuisines are all different. And I get to work with Michael Schlau and so many other amazing chefs. Well, and so as you're creating all these... uh, desserts for all these different properties i mean it just sort of sounds like you have to be kind of schizophrenic to like adopt because he has so many different concepts you know there's like italian and then there's you it's, know latin and he has all these different concepts how do you accommodate all those i mean you know i'm a, I'm a schizophrenic jewish kid i guess right. you know so right. it works okay Isn't that an oxymoron? <laughs> i mean it, it's funny that my mind does work um in a way where i i love that kind of challenge you know being mm-hmm. able to Work on Italian food is something that I was comfortable with from before, but also doing food. We just opened Calle Cinco uh, mm-hmm. next to Alta Strada, and that's, you know, churros and things like horchata, things that are not necessarily in my comfort zone. But I love the challenge as a chef to learn about those cuisines and then try to put those kinds of uh, desserts together. But ever since we met you, you've been doing, I mean, you've done a whole circus for the Jewish holidays. I love being Jewish, and I love giving as much as I can to the Jewish community. So 
here today, I brought in just a little bit, a taste of what we're doing this year for the... Come on, everybody. Stop. Yeah, you're you're right. acting like it's a seventh grade dance. Come yeah. over here and... I, and I'll and, be honest. Everyone needs to try the, the rugelach. It's really it's delicious. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's got uh, a Come hazelnut on. chocolate crunch filling. Mm -hmm. um, kind of my car smells like rugelach right now. I can now. only imagine. All right, so let's... We have, we have like a minute. What is rugelach? For people who don't know what it is, let's discuss it. So it's a really rich dough made with butter, sometimes with oh. cream cheese. Mm -hmm. um, and then it is smeared with anything you want in the middle. It could be chocolate. <laughs> it could be Nutella. It could be cinnamon and sugar, mm -hmm. uh, something crunchy or fruit rolled up uh, and then cut up into kind of croissant-like triangles, basically. What is the difference between rugelach and strudel? Strudel is something that is kind of filled all in the center, whereas rugelach is rolled up as a uh -huh. roulade. Uh, but it can have very similar kinds of ingredients in, okay. in both. Excellent. Uh, All right. We're going to take a quick break because okay. I can't eat and talk at the same time. I can. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. There's more in our future. We'll be back in a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to Chef Alex Levin, I just want to thank the folks that make this show possible. Our sponsors, ProFish, Celebrity Cruises, the fabulous market at River Falls in the center of Potomac. Which I want to say is also doing a catering menu for the Jewish holidays, and it's right in Potomac. So if you live out there, it's super, super close. God bless them. And who else? Central Farm Markets, Mitch Berliner and those guys. All Who, fun. we learned today, has stalls with kosher vendors. It's the only vendors. farmer's market in the country, in the country where that has three kosher vendors. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, Alex, let's get back to you. Let's you're doing some special things with Rosh Hashanah. Yep, so and this Yeah, for for this year we have a um a really delicious offering of challah, hazelnut chocolate crunch rugelach. Uh there's a honey cake that uh we've put together that uh was featured last year in the New York Times, which mm -hmm. is really nice. With Joe uh, Nathan. With Joe Nathan, yep. And uh you know, a lot of other things that I think people are going to really enjoy. Okay, but let's talk about honey cake. Okay. Because even though we all put honey cake on our table every year, we're all sort of like, I mean, and there's the honey cake. Like, I don't know who we're putting it on the table for because nobody likes honey cake. So what did you do to your honey cake to make, to make it everyone likeable? like it? So basically there's uh, apple butter that's just about 20% of the recipe I of the like honey butter. cake. Okay. So it, it gives it this rich apple caramelized deliciousness. And, you know, I think the honey in honey cake so sometimes overpowers it. It gets kind of dry a little bit. Mm -hmm. This makes it really, really moist and apple-y. And the honey's an apple. Like, we love eating apples and honey. No one complains about right. that. So it's kind of like that, but in a cake. Mm -hmm. And so I love it. And it's really popular, easy to make. And also we're selling it for uh, the benefit of the community here if anybody wants to have one. No, obviously. But, you know, I feel like, I mean, growing up, we always had to have honey cake on the table. In fact, my grandmother, grandmother had honey cake. honey cake. My grandmother made the honey cake. My it grandmother made honey cake and it was fine, you know, but as. No, it, it was horrible. It was, yeah. My jo grandmother's honey cake. Is, well, no, Joan and I were. My grandmother's brisket is made of sand. Joan <laughs> and I talked about that. And really what I tried to do, you know, I love my, my grandmother is my inspiration for being a chef. And mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of take her recipe and, and you know, pastry chef it up a little bit mm -hmm. and make it into something that everybody can love as well um, let's also talk about your challah and for um for those who don't know during the jewish holidays specific the challahs are not long braids they're made in the round yes correct Do you know so why that is it's just representative of the fact that we're starting a new year it's the circle of life um, mm -hmm. and so everything in a circular format is very Rosh Hashanah friendly including the challah so okay. very and what did you do to yeah, yours because it is yours a good is, yours is a, you have a very dense challah and it's very dark so explain your process. So one of the uh, one of the things that I do to make it my 
my mark is to glaze it with a honey glaze on top and that mm -hmm. makes it a little bit more dark than you would see from a bakery or from the store mm -hmm. and it uh becomes very shiny and the sweetness is really special uh, right so without being overly sweet without being overly sweet no i i don't like anything overly sweet right except maybe human beings but, right or maybe <laughs> did you mention that we can see all this on facebook right. live yes, so if you want to see how it glistens right um so what can people buy from you now and where can they buy it so and how does it work basically I, I would i'm sorry to say that a lot of things are already sold out mm -hmm. but if anybody really wants something they can contact me personally just send me an email alex and levin at gmail.com mm -hmm. and we will make sure to uh provide whatever we can we can for anyone that's in need awesome i'm looking for a big bag of money and are you doing I... it wait are you doing it for no. both rosh hashanah and yom kippur or just rosh hashanah so we're we're doing it officially for rosh hashanah but if somebody wants something for yom kippur we'll make it we'll happen accommodate. for them yeah okay great and so where can people find you so I work in Washington, D.C. at Castellare, which mm -hmm. is in Glover Park, at Alta Strada, which is on 5th and K. Also, mm -hmm. Calle Cinco, which is the tapas, uh, really cool place we just opened. Mm -hmm. Tico and the Rigsby. Uh, the Rigsby has that pot brownie sundae that people are going crazy yes, about. Yes, I know. I had it. <laughs> it was delicious. So um, I, I've just been running around all over town. But I think you're missing the point. Like clearly, <laughs> you should have some pot before you dive in. Well, you know, to the pot brownie. It, 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 you guys may not massive. know this about me, but it, from, you believe we're actually able to talk about it, this now. This is the the joke is that I'm actually I'm I never would even touch pot because I'm sober. So right, I know, you know obviously, but we're not. I'm I know, <laughs> I know. So for the benefit of everyone else, right? Yes. Exactly. You need to, you know. Spread the love for all mankind. Just put a little edible but there. I'm glad, you it. know, some people are happy they live to see the, the moon landing. I'm happy I live to see this happen to marijuana. <laughs> God bless it. And how did marijuana come into our Rosh Hashanah discussion? It's my fault. <laughs> Rosh Hashanah, right. marijuana is Rosh Hashanah in Hebrew. Did you oh, know I, that? you need I something forgot. to take yeah, the yeah. edge off when you're with yeah. your family for Rosh Hashanah. Marijuana, That's why. Rosh Hashanah, <laughs> it's, it's all there. Okay, well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. And Your everybody, if you awesome. haven't had an opportunity to try some of Chef's incredible pastries, obviously you can go to any of the Michael Schlau restaurants in the D.C. area or travel and hit them there. But also absolutely hit um, his pop-up for his Jewish specialties for the holidays. And you do not have to be Jewish for it. Now, before we go back to Diane, Wait, I'm going to bring... show your membership card? No, no membership awesome. card. Um, I want to hit back to Paul and Elise because one of the things we did not talk about is noodle kugel and i i think a lot of people don't know what kugel is and it's not always noodle sometimes it's got potato or whatever so what is a kugel where did it come from just quickly and um what's your favorite so a kugel is a uh it's a bringing together of a pudding uh sometimes with bread oftentimes with noodles mentioned potato it's often it's an eastern european derived dish and wait, it, bread. So, like, would the babka be a kugel? I think ish. ish. Okay. Not exactly, okay. but ish. <laughs> um, and many of them are dairy. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have sour cream or cottage cheese or cream cheese. And sugar and butter and, or and, margarine. And then there's okay. um, pineapple and raisins. Right. But there's also savory versions, um, mm -hmm. which take on a much more uh, salty and and less sweet 
flavor, and those are out there. So tell us about Amy's, uh, Amy Brandwine's on the website. Yeah, Amy Brandwine has a kugel from Centralina yeah. um, that is delicious, uh, and you can go to jewishfoodexperience.com. Carla Hall has a recipe on our website for Ooh. leek, uh, she's spinach. Not she's not <laughs> Jewish, but she jumped into the fray. Uh, leek, spinach, and ricotta. Kogel. Fabulous. Okay, and Elise, what are you guys doing? So we have a very, I would say, you know, again, we were talking earlier about, you know, everyone's recipes are different, but we have a very traditional uh, noodle kogel that we're doing both in our store. Uh, it's launching now. It'll mm -hmm. always be a side dish that's available. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually perfect. We get a lot of requests for, like, kids' items, and it's sort of like mac and cheese. It's your very classic noodles cheese uh cornflake topping mm -hmm. a little sugar on there um it's it's really delicious and we we do it in the catering uh format as well excellent okay yeah. great thanks all right diane back the to last you. wine that i just poured you yes. is um from israel again this is from uh the jerusalem mountains and mm -hmm. it's a cabernet sauvignon um this wine is uh made in sort of a little bit of a larger production mm -hmm. and it's a bigger bit bolder as you can taste um it's also something called mevushal, which I might be pronouncing a little bit wrong. Okay. But um, so kosher wine is only kosher if a Jewish person is pouring it. Um, Wait, what? Kosher wine is only kosher what if a Jewish a person. Jew, an extremely reformed Jew. Still, still like kosher. Still kosher. So wait a second. Even if they follow all the particulars, absolutely, it's not. But what if you're not a kosher Jew? Well, these laws seem silly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why wines like this are created, so somebody that is um, non-Jewish can pour them, so they can be used in a service setting, like in a restaurant. Okay. Um, Instead of so DACA, why isn't the president getting rid of that law, <laughs> which is really unfair? <laughs> I mean, do something substantive. <laughs> Um, there's also wine that's kosher for Passover, which just means that it can't have anything added to it that wouldn't be kosher for Passover. There's a lot of different laws, but they sort of go in line with what traditional Jewish dietary laws are. Okay, I don't want to stump you on this, but I just, I, I'm, I thought kosher for Passover specifically meant that it had to only be for Passover, that you can't pour it any other time. No, you can pour it at any time. You just can't have additives in it like, um corn syrup, which we were talking about before, which mm -hmm. is added to Manischewitz wine. It can't be fined with a product that might not be kosher okay. um, or have some additive to it that would be, you know, like legumes. So and then um, the difference is that actually wines that there's a lot of controversy about Mevushal wine because it is heated and wine traditionally is not heated. Wow. And it is heated to 185, 165, 185 because degrees to get rid of the impurities. The impurities to, you know, we're such a pain in the <laughs> neck. <laughs> create this wine that is impervious to a non-Jew handling it. Um, and some wineries now are using flash pasteurization as a way to do that, mm -hmm. which is a little bit um, gotten a little bit of heat back Iffy. and forth about whether it's good or bad or. Um, but that also, one would argue, if you're sort of more of a traditional winemaker, that heating right. wine is not a good thing. I hate to do this, guys, right. but the show's almost over. It so is. everything you heard, first of all, thank you all. This is a great show. Diane, a lot of tell fun. us where we can find you, kosher wines and all. Um, Cork Wine Bar is 1720 14th Street on the 14th Street corridor, and Cork Market is 1805 14th Street. And at the end of October, they will be one. Okay, right. and so when will that official opening be? We anticipate at the end of October, though in restaurant land, sometimes things slip. <laughs> okay. um, and they will be under one roof no at 1805. Judgment. 
1805 14th Street. All right. All right. Thank That's you. That's the show. Thank you. So everybody, uh, everything you heard about on the show today, you can find on the listareyouonit.com, Nikki's website. Follow mm-hmm. her on Twitter and Instagram. And the new website should be launching on Monday. Her new website launches yeah, on Monday. Ooh. And mm-hmm. follow her every week on WTOP at 1240 on Thursdays. We want to thank everybody for joining us today and bringing in all this delicious food and awesome celebrating food. the Jewish holidays with us in studio. If you do celebrate, we wish you Lashona Tova. And if you don't, get invited to a Rosh Hashanah dinner because you're missing something. Have a delicious week.